Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Hey, great to see you all and um, happy Father's Day to all the dads here today. And we just want to honour you. We appreciate all the work that you do in raising children. Uh, it's not easy. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to bring a few home truths uh, later on about my experiences uh, as a dad. But look, whether you are a, a, a biological dad, whether you're a, a stepdad, whether you're a foster dad, whether you're a spiritual dad to someone, we so appreciate um, all that you do in, in helping children be raised and, and come into their fullness as adults. And um, so thank you. But we also recognise that, that Father's Day can be a really challenging day as well. For some people, maybe they've just lost a dad recently and getting used to living life without dad around. Or maybe, maybe you actually just didn't have a good dad. Maybe your dad was a challenging dad. Maybe he was a, not a clever dad. Maybe he was an abusive dad. And so we're mindful that, you know, it can be, it can be very, very difficult um, sometimes for people as they reflect on dads. And particularly when they come to church and they hear about God, our dad, God, our father in heaven. And so hopefully later on a little bit, we're going to spend a little bit looking at that as well and hopefully adjusting some, you know, if there's some challenges around that. Um, Maybe, maybe you're a dad who, who maybe doesn't have the privilege of being in a home um, and being, seeing your children and raising them right now. And so we, we feel for you this morning. Um, maybe you're a dad who just has done your best, but you know, your kids aren't where you want them to be right now and you're feeling like a total failure. Uh, maybe you're dealing with tragedy. Maybe things have happened that you've been unable to protect your kids from and, and maybe they're not even with us anymore. Maybe you're unable to have kids biologically and you know so we just want to just acknowledge all those things this morning I don't want to put a dampener on this day because you know I trust it's going to be a great day for many but I know that it can be a challenging day for some as well and so today I just wanted to have a look at some home truths maybe air a little bit of dirty laundry I don't know um, and my journey as a dad um, hopefully make some of you feel a little bit better about your efforts um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a dad and a son, and um, Sally Ann and I um, have six children together, um, aging, uh, ranging between 26 and 8, and um, we are going to be grandparents in about four months, or we'll meet our little grandchild in about four months, so pretty excited about that. Um, but I can honestly say I have loved and love being a dad, it's awesome, but it is also extremely challenging. Extremely challenging being a dad. I'm going to give you a little illustration of how challenging it is to be me at times. I, I came home um, a couple of weeks ago and I was just in the kitchen and I noticed there was blue dots on our white um, kitchen bench. And I thought, that's interesting, blue dots. Someone's had some food colouring out. And then it seemed that wherever I looked, there were blue dots. Even when I opened the... the um, pantry door there were blue dots and I was actually going to the pantry for a specific reason because I was going to get some maple syrup because Sally Ann I think had made pancakes or waffles or something like that and so I was going to get maple syrup and on the maple syrup bottle there were blue dots I'm thinking wow someone had a real explosion here or something and anyway I get the maple syrup I take the lid off and inside the lid there is blue I pour out the maple syrup and I've got blue maple syrup. Now, I don't know about you, but that just doesn't do it for me. I mean, maple syrup has to be golden in colour to really set off the waffles or the pancakes and, and that's the way it looks and tastes the best. 
So I had blue maple syrup. And it probably tasted okay, but it, just, it was just not very satisfying having blue maple syrup, I didn't think, anyway. So trying to get to the bottom of it, and you know, it's always Mr. Nobody in our house. And this particular Mr. Nobody was actually a little Miss Nobody who would not own up to it until eventually she did. And apparently she'd been doing a little experiment because Sally Ann, I think, was either out or in bed and one of the older kids who was supposed to be looking after her had gone and had to lay down. And so Macy was left to her own devices and um, was doing some science experiments that involved blue food colouring and maple syrup. But what she did was she made a little bit of maple syrup, but she made more than she needed. So she put the rest of the blue maple syrup back into the blue, back into the maple syrup, it's all blue. Anyway, that's what happens in our house. Those sort of things happen all the time. Anyway, so I said to her, look, Macy, that is now your maple syrup. You are going to finish that maple syrup. And we are going to get some fresh maple syrup, some golden maple syrup. And that will be ours and you can finish that over the next however many years it takes you because it was a, like a one kilo bottle from Costco, uh, about 20 bucks, thank you very much. And so, so anyway, next time I went to Costco, I thought I'm getting me some maple syrup, some good stuff. So I got it and I hid it in our bedroom. So anyway, I went to Costco, got some maple syrup, put it in our bedroom, thought I'll stash it at the top of the cupboard. It'll be safe there and, and we can bring it out as required and Macy won't be tempted to steal the golden maple syrup. She can have a blue maple syrup. Anyway, that was fine for about two weeks. Until the other day, she happened to be in our bedroom. She's jumping on the bed or something and spies at the top the maple syrup. So she thinks, maple syrup, the real stuff, not the blue stuff. I know what I'll do. So she goes and finds this long piece of wire with a hook on the end that she's able to get through the handle of the maple syrup and sort of edges it forward to the front of the shelf. And then I hear a scream, I hear yelling, I hear, Dad's gonna kill me. <laughs> I hear the toilet door slam, the ensuite door slam, I hear the lock click. And I think, what's going on? And I go in there and there's maple syrup on the carpet. And Macy's locked herself in the toilet, afraid she's gonna die that very day. It's. This is my life. This is my life. So a few days later, I walk into the kitchen and Sally Ann's got the blue maple syrup and she's got some red food colouring and she's got some yellow food colouring and she's under instructions from Macy to make the blue maple syrup brown again. And so Sally Ann's doing her best, but let me just tell you, it comes out as grey, which <laughs> is even worse than blue. And then it was topped off on Tuesday, this little maple syrup story, when it was Macy's birthday. And she comes in to me on her birthday and she says, Dad, can I please have some of your maple syrup for my birthday? <laughs> oh, bless her heart. Just another day in the life of the rainbows. As a dad, seriously, I have been smitten by my kids' cuteness at times and horrified by their rudeness. I have had dreams as a dad of what we would do as our kids got older. I mean, there are certain things I love doing. I love bike riding, I love bushwalking, I love nature, I love all lots, lots snorkeling, lots of things. That Won't it be awesome when my kids are old enough to indulge in those passions with me? Yeah, nah. Ashari was great, 
Macy's pretty good. She loves, you know, looking for lizards and catching frogs and, you know, that sort of thing. Ashari likes riding bikes. Macy does a little bit. The rest of them, I, I almost lost one of my children. She almost left home because I tried to force my bike riding passion onto her. I actually thought I was doing the right thing by buying her some bike riding clothes for one of her birthdays. Yep, I've never lived that one down. Um, she actually had the opposite effect. So anyway, all these dreams, all these things that you think your kids will do and they end up just like hating them. They hate the things that you love. That's a bit disappointing as a parent, isn't it, at times? Um, I've struggled all the time with the whole balance between law and grace and often get that wrong. Go hard when I should go a bit softer and go soft and get, when perhaps they should be put in their place. That's a challenging one. I've struggled to watch my kids make choices that I don't like. That's best case scenario, I just don't like it. Worst case scenario, they or someone else gets hurt. Um, that's not good. I remember um, as a parent, another fine parenting moment, as all good, you know, you know, Jesus said, you know, you earthly fathers, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts and how much more your heavenly father. Well, I thought an awesome gift would be my son, a young, budding, aspiring guitar player. I'm going to buy him a guitar, an electric guitar. I'm not going to tell him, I'm just going to buy it. And he is going to be, it's a, it's a Chris Shiflet, um Fender guitar. He's going to be so stoked when he gets it. So anyway, it arrives. It's in a cardboard box. And for what reason, I do not know. But my son goes all samurai on this thing with a box cutter. Yeah, yeah, he did. So he gets out the box cutter, starts cutting. Within two seconds, he's got his finger just about hanging off. And we're at the hospital, stitches. Then, then a week later, they realise, oh, no, it's actually worse than we first thought. More operation, more stitches. Couldn't play his guitar for about four months. It's <laughs> like, so, what? Being a dad, awesome. <laughs> have, have any of you dads ever noticed, like, the more you try to do something special, the more you try to have an awesome family time or day or experience or whatever, the worse it goes. Seriously, what is that? How do kids manage to ruin the things that you just want to do that are so good? It's like, if they've got nothing, they're happy. <laughs> Try and give them an event or an experience or a present of some sort and suddenly just like the worst attitude is right out there all the time. And, and they hunt in packs as well when they do that. It's not just one. It'd be awesome if you had like, all these kids and one's been a little you know, pain in the backside and the others are going, settle down, dude. Come on. Let's all get on the same page. Our parents are awesome. They're doing great things for us right now. No. Nah. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, it's tough when despite your love and your sacrifices, your kids resent you, hate you, even at times wish you were dead. Don't know if any of you ever experienced that. My kids have sometimes told me. But it wouldn't melt in their mouth when you see them in public. Seriously, they're awesome. Just get them home. <laughs> dinner time, you know, we've all got the ideal dinner scenario. Everyone's sitting there, everyone's grateful. Everyone's just having a little prayer and let's all just talk about the day and share our good experiences. No, nah, not our house. No. Nah. First, you've got to get everyone there. And then you, the moment you sort of get something that resembles harmony, someone will, will pay someone out or say something inconsiderate or... 
just or, or actually designed to get a reaction and suddenly it's on for young and old and oh dear me anyway I love being a dad <laughs> uh, here's some advice I've gleaned over the excuse I'm not crying I'm just <laughs> got a bit of a running <laughs> excuse me all right so just just some advice I've gleaned over the years take it for free it's yours um, be firmer but go easy on them be more structured, but be more flexible. Be more spiritual, but don't be too spiritual. Be present, but don't smother. I don't know, is that, is that the sort of information or advice you get? You know, the books you read, the people you talk to, you just get all this conflicting information. And it's like, I've tried lots of that and I've seen other people try lots of that. There's no guarantees. Doesn't matter what you do. Like you can have one child think they're awesome, you've got it all down pat, you are the super parent, then the next one comes. Totally different. Ruins everything <laughs> in terms of your view of yourself as a parent. The reality is it's just not easy to be a parent. It's rewarding, it's awesome, there is so much that is good about it, but it's challenging. And I have seen my own heart broken, but I've seen, you know, Probably every dad I know, and if I'm honest, their hearts have been broken at some time because of the things that are either within their control and they've, and they've made them just haven't been a good enough dad or done or said dumb things or things that are just well and truly beyond their control, you know, the decisions of their kids, the circumstances, situations that kids face. And so despite your every effort to be and do um, parenting the best you possibly can, um, sometimes stuff goes pretty pear-shaped and it can be heartbreaking. And for me, being a dad um, has given me a much greater appreciation of my heavenly dad. Um, it's helped me to, I guess, feel and understand a little bit better the tension between law and grace. And to know that you can still love someone despite their appalling behaviour. That's something that we often struggle with, isn't it? Particularly, I guess, if you've never experienced... I had a dad who, who did demonstrate great love... Um, despite sometimes my appalling behaviour. And so I don't find that concept too hard to, to receive and to demonstrate as a parent. But it does give me a great insight into God's love and it is, it is a pivotal part of the gospel message that God loves us despite our appalling at times behaviour. It's helped me to recognise that my human limitations push me to him on behalf of my kids. Because it doesn't matter how protective you want to be, it doesn't matter how much, how much you want to smother them and, and bubble wrap them and, and whatever, at some point they're going to be beyond your capacity to look after them and you've just got to be trusting God that he's got them in those moments. And as much as God has used me to teach and shape my kids, he actually has used them probably more to stretch and to shape and to soften me across the journey and I love that so often you know things happen in my world and <clears throat> I respond in certain ways and I think I'm being the best parent because I've you know told my kids off because they did something that was really you know deserving of a response and punishment and all that sort of stuff and then later on the Holy Spirit will pull me aside and say what did you do that for? Oh, because my kids deserved it. 
Well, did they, what did they actually do wrong? Oh, oh, they embarrassed you in public. Oh, they embarrassed you in public. Oh, does that really give you the right to, to you know, upset your kids the way you did? When really it was more about you than about them. And aren't we good at that as parents times? And so God will use, and certainly use my kids to speak to me in ways that I often don't expect, sometimes don't like, but I'm always better for. You know, sadly, many Christians, um, or many people, Christians included, have a very Old Testament view of God or concept of God. We get the idea that God is holy, perfect, but along with that comes this idea that he is somehow distant and judgy. And often, if, if that's our view of God, if that's the way we do our Christianity, it ends up just in this kind of rule-keeping, rule performance-based or performance-enhancement idea that really is a gross representation of who God really is. And I've spoken to people, even just recently, who, based on the way they see people live as Christians, the way that they are so conscious about making sure they do the right thing and everyone else around them does the right thing, that their life has to be getting better and better and better and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that at one level. But if that's, if that's seen as the essence of Christianity, behaviour modification, self-improvement, well, it leaves a lot of people thinking they can't actually come to church until they sort themselves out. Like they're welcome once they get their act together because that's, you know, God only deals with good and kind and lovely people like there are in church and like they keep telling me about. Thankfully, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity, the greatest revelation, or one of the greatest revelations in the New Testament is that God is revealed as Father. Now, he's mentioned as Father in the Old Testament, but it's generally more in a, in a, in a Father of all creation type sense as a source, as the origin of everything. Or maybe as the covenant-keeping God of Israel. But generally it's not in this intimate, personal, family sense that we get right throughout the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 5, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and, and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So this is so different than the picture of an angry God sitting aloof somewhere on the far side of the universe just tolerating us. This is about a God that has instituted a plan before the creation of the earth to bring a family to himself. 1 John chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, See how much the Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. And I think it's through that lens that we need to interpret the New Testament. It's through the context of family. In family, behaviour matters. It matters because it affects the family dynamic. It doesn't affect whether you are or aren't a part of the family but it does affect and I think that's we need to understand that whenever we see things in the in the Bible that we're called to do 
You know, ultimately we need to remember that it's, it's love is the fulfillment of the law. We're called to do two things as Christians, to trust God and to love one another and love him. It's not that hard. It's expressed in a whole bunch of different ways. There are some practical ways that teach us how to love one another. You know, don't gossip, don't slander, all that sort of stuff. That's just, just being loving. It's being kind. It's like keeping harmony within the family and reaching out to others that are not yet family. That's the way we need to, I think, I think the best and healthiest way for us to approach the New Testament. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God reaches out to us. As we respond in faith and we need to never ever ever forget that it's Christ's behavior that guarantees our adoption not ours we are acceptable in God's sight because of what Jesus has done on our behalf not of anything we did before during or after we become a Christian okay it's all about what Jesus has done in John chapter 14 You know, Jesus speaks about going to prepare a place. You know, in my Father's house there are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know the way. And Thomas goes, no, we don't. (laughs) We don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. What are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me or except through me. And I think it's interesting, you know, we're very much aware of Jesus being the way but we forget sometimes that the, the destination is the Father. We're called into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, You did not receive a spirit that makes you again a slave to fear. In other words, being worried about being punished. Have I done the right thing? Am I in trouble? No, 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 that's not the spirit that, we've been, that, that we're called into or the relationship we're called into. So you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, or Dad, Daddy is the best, I think, translation of that. And again, many of us, you know, Father, it, he is our Father, but, you know, sometimes that can, can uh, even that can sort of sound a bit more aloof, a bit more distant than Dad. And yet God actually is and wanting to be our Dad. We've been adopted into his family. He's chosen us. It's not like, uh-oh, someone's pregnant and now we've got to deal with it. No, this is God choosing Knowing us perfectly and choosing to bring us into his family, regardless of how bad we're going to make him look. I mean, if you've ever been embarrassed about as being a parent by your kids, what about God, our Father? Seriously, think about his family over the years. Last 2,000 years of church history. Read about it sometime. It's not pretty. And yet God, in his wisdom, has chosen to endure and to be patient with his extended family as much as there's bickering and infighting and you know dad I want you to love me more than them dad show me I'm right and they're wrong take sides dad no I love you all and we'll sort it out we've got plenty of time to get it all sorted out in fact as you get through this life you'll 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 drop a lot of your idealism and silliness and and you'll work out what really matters at the end of it all 
Jesus said to his disciples when they asked him, how should we pray? He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. And I love that. I love, just love the, the simplicity and the power of that statement. Our Father, it speaks of intimacy and closeness of relationship. But the fact that he's in heaven speaks of his supremacy and his capacity to help us in times of need. And it's good to remember this is the God and the Father that we have because, you know, I love my dad, as I mentioned. When I was growing up, I was, I was super proud of my dad. My dad used to love doing weightlifting and, and he loved, you know, being fit and he was very creative and he was a sign writer and he was an artist and he was a sculptor and he was just a great dad. He was present. He, he, he loved Jesus. I think he had a great balance in terms of, of um, you know, church and home life and all of those sorts of things. Um, I remember most afternoons on a Saturday, um, I would go for a walk up in the Black Hills with him and we'd go chasing lizards around the place. And I used to love lizards when I was a kid, still do. <laughs> but, you know, he was, he, and I just felt safe with him. I felt loved, I felt accepted, I felt secure, I felt significant when I was with my dad. We've just put him into a nursing home recently. He's, he's um, not been well. He's getting older. He's 87 now. And he still loves Jesus and he still loves me. And every time I see him, he says, I'm so proud of you, Pete. He goes, when you were born, he goes, I felt like I was walking around like a cloud for the first two weeks. And, um, but he's not strong anymore. And he doesn't paint anymore and he can't sculpture anymore. There's a lot of things he can't do anymore. And so as much as I love him, I can't rely on him like I used to. I can't feel so secure as I used to if it's just up to my dad, my natural dad. But the thing is, my dad pointed to me to my greater dad, the one in whom I can be secure. You see, every dad can help us have some of our needs in life met, but there are some deep needs that we all have, some deep spiritual needs that only God can meet. They're only designed to be God, for God to meet. And that's why it doesn't matter how people, you know, people can be successful in life, they can be well-loved in, well, in life, they can have a great family life. They can have, but if they don't know God the Father, often there's a, a gnawing void inside. There's something that is still missing because only God himself as Father can give us what we really need. Only God alone can accept us truly as we are because every person has limits. Despite our failings, like I said, while we were still sinners, God came to us. He loved us. He chose us. Only God can truly and fully know us and love us. Many people love us because they don't fully know us. And those that fully know us maybe don't love us anymore. Don't we live in that tension as people? Like, you know, there are, like, would we be happy to let everyone around about us know everything about us, all of our thoughts, all of our deeds, our history? And if that was to happen, could we be confident that maybe even our closest family and friends would still love us? We'd probably lose a few along the way, wouldn't we? Not God. Not our Father in heaven. His commitment to us is unwavering. And again, we, you know, we get some of our commitment needs met in marriage and 
and, and so on. But, you know, even those things can have their limits. Every person at some point is not going to be able to fulfill the commitment they made to you. Some people, their health is going to give out. Some people may pass on. Some people may just get too overwhelmed and they can't commit to us at the level that we desire commitment. But God is totally and utterly committed to us as our Father. Our Father in heaven is the only one that can reveal our true identity. Every one of us has a smashed identity that's been formed in the bowels of this world, you know, through, through our parenting experiences, but through our school experiences, through our failures and our successes. But none of us really understands exactly who we are the way God does. And he's the only one that can help us to understand who we really are and to begin to live according to that. And he's the only one that can reveal the purpose that he has. Because again, as a parent, I can have great intentions for my kids. I can try and set them up for the win. But even that can be tainted. It can be like, I want my kids to do this or do that and succeed because it makes me look better as a parent. It might be totally against who God made them to be. You know, God may have created an artist and I want a lawyer or a mathematician or something like that, you know, like, but God knows and God can reveal a person's identity and he can lead them in the path that he's chosen for them, the good plans and purposes that he had in mind since the beginning. Only God can guarantee our security and only God can grant us true peace. You know, Jesus, when he was preparing, well, Jesus said, I'll go and prepare a place for you. And in this life, God's preparing us for that place. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, um, it talks about um, endure hardship as discipline. So your fathers disciplined you as they saw fit along the way, but God, your Father in heaven, disciplines you for your good. And we can understand that it's not God's not disciplining us because he hates us, because he's angry with us, because he wants to punish us. He's just taking us through a series of events in life and each one of them is designed to prepare us for what's ahead. Again, parents, you know what it's like. As I said before, the more you do, the more you give your kids, seems like the less appreciated they are. Can you imagine us not having experienced this life and just rocking up in heaven? Would we really appreciate the love of God? Would we really appreciate all that he has in store for us? Or is it just maybe, just maybe, that being in this world, experiencing rejection, helps us to appreciate acceptance? Experience hatred helps us to recognise and appreciate love. Experiencing lack helps us to recognise and appreciate provision. You know, God teaches us through contrast. It's like you can't even appreciate being warm until you've been cold or cold until you've been warm or hot. And so God is training us and teaching us in this life about gratitude and living together as family in order that ultimately we can meet together in his house as his kids with him as our dad. Even those that have, that have lost someone, as tragic as that may be, it's the bitterness of the loss that's going to make the sweetness of the coming together again all that greater. I just want to conclude by just reading a quote from J.I. Packer. And it's just this, what is a Christian? 
The richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as father. If you want to know how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as a father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. And so we're going to, in a moment, just going to have uh, some guys going to come and sing a song to us. It's just going to help us, I guess, reflect, I think, on the great love of the Father that he would send his son to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were doing our own thing. God was planning our salvation. God was planning our adoption. God was planning our forever with him. And so, again, just, just today, if anything, I just want it to be an encouragement. You know, like Christianity is not something that's attacked on afterthought to life. It is the essence of life. Everything in this life, if we will allow it to, will point us to God and will teach us about God and will help us to see Him in the midst of the craziest situations. Like I said, I'm thankful for being a parent. It's just revealed more and more of God's heart. I certainly don't have it together. I certainly don't claim to be a brilliant parent. But being a parent has certainly revealed some things to me about God. And I hope this morning that it's been encouraging to hear that. I hope that it's helped you to reassess your relationship with him because it's so easy to slip back into, am I doing good enough? Am I doing enough? And God's saying, I love you as you are. And if you can get a revelation on that factor, you, you won't need to be told to do this or do that or you won't need to say, you know, be told to work harder. Your heart will be compelling you to do those things for the Father and for the family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.